Good morning again. Yeah, thank you. The Christmas story. Uh, we've been talking about the Christmas story for a few weeks now. We began, um, we, we began first talking about all of the prophecies, the story behind the story. For 2,000 years, there had been promises that God had made to his people that, that he would send uh, the Messiah and that we, as we put, you know, as you sort of trace through from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament and you begin to see how they've all fallen in place and how they've all happened and come true, that God has kept his promise. And now we come to the moment of the birth of the Christ, of, of the Messiah, and last week we talked about Mary's story and, and uh, her experience and that God came and said, you'll give birth to the son and you'll call him Jesus. And uh, this week we're gonna focus on the shepherd's story. And the shepherd's story is fascinating for us because if you were in the first century and you wanted to write a story, you're gonna make up a story and, and try to start this religion and, and you wanted to try to talk about what God had done and, and figure this out, you wouldn't have used shepherds to open up the most, one of the most important parts of your story because in the first century, shepherds had no rights. They had no privileges. They were uh, considered typically unclean because they lived outside. Uh, they were with the sheep. You know, we have pictures of shepherds and they look really good in the cool robes and they have a staff and all of this stuff. But one of the problems that shepherds had in real uh, in the first century is that they smelled like sheep. It was a problem for them and that they were also uneducated. They were all illiterate and uh, they were in the lower caste. And the shepherds that we're talking about this morning, not only were they in the lower caste of people, but they were, had the night watch. So they didn't even make the daytime shift. They had the nighttime shift. And those are the people that God chose to visit on that night. And that's a picture of how God turned everything upside down, or maybe we should say right side up, when he came, because we would have normally have thought that the Messiah would come and he would make his appearance in a castle or in a palace or uh, in, in some place that, that was big and powerful and prominent. Maybe he would come down to earth in a fiery chariot, make some sort of huge impression and approach to the earth. But what God chose to do was to come and to be born in a manger uh, and be seen first by shepherds. Now, shepherds are interesting, again, because they're, they're the hobbits uh, of the first century. I have a picture here. So if you're gonna write a great story, who, who would give the hobbits the ring, right? Seriously, you just don't do that. They don't count, they don't matter. They're just little guys, they're invisible. Well, the shepherds were the little guys, they were the invisible guys, and yet God in his mercy, God in his love for us, chose them to reveal himself. And so let's look at the beginning of the story. We're gonna read verses one through seven from the Gospel of Luke in chapter two. Here's what it says. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. So he's giving, Luke's giving us a historic context for this. And all went to be registered each to his own town, and Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. 
You know, you know the story, right? You've heard it all of your lives. Everybody's really familiar with the story of the birth of Jesus. And, and so we're reminded here of a couple of really important things. One thing we've already mentioned a couple weeks ago that we're reminded of is that, that Jesus, that 500 years before the birth of Christ, it was prophesied or, or told uh, that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. And God had this problem, not God's problem, but Joseph and Mary had a problem that they're in Nazareth and she's just about to give birth. And the prophet prophecy says she's supposed to be in Bethlehem. So what happens? Well, God puts it in the mind of Caesar Augustus that everyone should be uh, accounted for. There's going to be a new tax. He wants to check the tax rolls. Everybody has to go to the, the, country, the place of their lineage. Uh, Joseph was of the lineage of David. That meant he had to go back to Bethlehem. So God got Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem exactly at the right time. You see, when, when Caesar thought he was in charge, God turned everything upside down and he said, that's not my kingdom. That's not how I work, but I'm doing something different. I'm changing how we think about life and how we think about the world. And now we're gonna elevate shepherds and Caesar's gonna finally be in his place, but we're gonna focus on the shepherds. So let's look at that, this part of the passage, starting in verse eight. It says this, in the same region, about two miles from Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were filled with fear. Uh, let's just stop for a quick second, okay, so get a perspective. About two miles away from Bethlehem, there were shepherds doing the night shift, and they were out there tending their sheep, whatever that means, it's nighttime, um, but they were tending their sheep, and it says that an angel of the Lord Came. Now, angel uh, in the Greek is what we call a transliteration. It just means they took a Greek word, made it an English word. And angelos in the Greek means messenger. So God sent messengers uh, with a special word, a special message for the shepherds that night. And, and picture this scene, the lowly shepherds, the uneducated shepherds, the illiterate shepherds, the lowest caste uh, that there was, uh, God sent his messenger to them. And he did it for an important purpose that we're gonna talk about before we're done. But the shepherds, when the, when the angel came, it says that, that um, the messenger came and they were filled with fear. No kidding. You're on a hilltop, you're on a mountain, you've got your, your you know, you, you've never had anything spectacular happen in your whole life, right? You're just a shepherd. You're out there night after night. You know, shepherds were often uh, people who couldn't make it uh, with their, just growing their crops, so they had to hire themselves out, and so they were hired to watch somebody's sheep. And they're out there, they're getting paid next to nothing. They're out there with the sheep. They, their life is about as low as it could possibly get, and all of the sudden in the middle of that night when there's nothing but stars uh, and darkness that an angel appears and it says they were afraid. I would be too, seriously. I would be scared to death. I, I, I would be, can't catch my breath, my knees are wobbling, kind of scared at that moment that an angel uh, appears. And so what happens next is really important because it says this, that that an angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So here's this scene. The, the, the angel appears, and the story says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
Now, this is kind of an interesting thing for us too, because think of this word glory, the Greek word's doxa. Luke, the great physician and historian, is telling us this story, and he gets to a point where he just doesn't have a word to describe what's happening. Imagine this, he, he could have said, well, a great light shown around them, but it's just not strong enough. It's not, it's not a big enough word to describe what was going on because at that moment, heaven connected to earth and heaven opened up and an angel came and the glory, the presence of the almighty God was in that place, was on that mountain. There was something going on that they had never experienced before. They would never experience again. And Luke's trying to describe it for us. And the best word that he could come up with was this word glory because it's a word that describes God. It's a word that's too big for anything else. And it describes what God did, that the presence of God was there, that heaven met earth, and they were experiencing the presence of God, and it shone all around them. And they were afraid, and the angel said, fear not, don't be afraid, because I have good news I have good news. It's not just good news, but it's of great joy. It will be for all the people. And here's what's so important for us this morning, that when the angel said that, something resonated, something hit, because the God of the universe is saying, I have great news, and it's for even you guys. It's even for shepherds. It's great news of great joy, and it's not just for Herod the Great, and it's not just for Caesar Augustus, and it's not just for Quirinius and the tax collectors and the wealthy and the powerful, but it's a message that's even for shepherds. It's for all people, which I'm really grateful for, because that includes me, that I, that I don't have to be famous I don't have to be powerful. I, I don't have to be anything, but God had a message even for me. And he said, this is the message, that for unto you a child is born this day, for unto you, you guys, you shepherds, you're part of this, you're included in this story. Nobody's left out of this story. Unto you this day in the city of David, a child is born and he is the Christ. He is the, he is the prophesied one. He is the living God come to earth and it's a message of great joy for all of us, for all of you. And the shepherds received that message and in verse 12, it says this, and, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, an angel, there was the, uh, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Think about this for a second because in the middle of this, the angel speaks to them. And then this host of angels show up in the sky. And you could also translate that word host as army, that, that an army of angels burst onto the scene. And I have this picture that as heaven met earth and these angels for the first time are gonna get to proclaim the coming of Christ and they're waiting behind the curtain, they're waiting at that moment and they're asking the, the Father, is it time, can we go now, can we go now, is it, is it okay if we go? And finally God said, yes, go. And they show up behind the angel and they begin to proclaim God and what they say is really important to us because they say glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom he's pleased. 
Here's the, here's the beauty of it. Glory for God and peace for us. God always gets the glory and we get his peace. That's the Christmas story. God gets the glory. He is the God of the universe who loved us, who gave himself for us, but what he's brought us is peace, and this peace is, comes to the Hebrew shalom, and it's not just a happiness, it's not just warm fuzzies, but it's a peace that's a wholeness, that is completeness. He says, what I bring to you is a wholeness. It's something that the world can't give you, the world can't take away, can only come from the God of the universe, and he said, that's what I'm bringing you, is my peace. God gets the glory, and we get his peace. It's a great picture. And the shepherds heard that that night. You know, the shepherds' uh, lives were forever changed, and how we view shepherds was forever changed. We don't think of shepherds today the way they did in the first century because God elevated them. He, he made them special. He gave them a special place in, in history, and everything is different. Everything changed because of this story, but the shepherds didn't learn the baby's name from the angels. They learned the baby's name from the mother and father, but the angels used words like Savior, Christ, Messiah, Lord, uh, to describe who he was, to describe the greatness of Christ, the greatness of the child that they were about to meet. And so this was a declaration of the real Lord, the, the Savior who was to come. You know, Caesar Augustus would use those kind of titles for himself. He would use a title for himself that he was a Savior, uh, that he was a Lord, and Jesus is turning it back right side up again and saying, this is, the glory goes to God and you get the peace and this message is for all of you. It's for each of you, but Caesar doesn't get that glory and Caesar doesn't get that praise because that belongs to God, but what he, what God has promised you, what God has promised us is his peace and that is good news. That brings great joy. And he says, he's pleased with us. You know, in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, my peace I give you. It's not a peace that the world gives, but it's my peace that I leave with you. That's the peace that he's offering us, a wholeness, a completeness in our lives. That's the story of Christmas. That's the story of the manger. God gets the glory. We get his peace, the peace that he offers us. Here's something else that's remarkable. I want to remind you this morning, this story is true. This really happened. That there was really a night in history when there were shepherds on a hillside and an angel came and proclaimed to them that the Christ was born, that this really happened in real time. There was really an angel, there was really a heavenly host, because for 2,000 years, God had been reminding his people, he had been promising him all of these things that were gonna happen, and now he's fulfilling all of those promises, and we need to be reminded that this is true. This is a true story. You see, we've heard it so many times in our lives and we get it, we hear it in so many different ways that I think sometimes it just becomes a great story for us. Sometimes it's just, it's just the Christmas story. We've heard it so often, but we need to be reminded that it's a true story and that it's a story that really matters for us. It really matters in, in, in our lives. I have another picture for you. You guys remember the movie Hook? Seriously. I don't even, if you, if you, don't even say if you weren't born. I don't want to hear that, okay? That's just, 
that doesn't matter right now. This was a great movie, it came out in 1991, and, and Dustin Hoffman played Hook, the pirate, and Robin Williams was Peter Pan. And uh, so if you, if you haven't seen it, go, go watch it. It's a great old movie, but here's the problem. Peter Pan at the, at the starting of this movie is actually Peter Banning, and he's an attorney, and he's forgotten everything. He doesn't remember being Peter Pan. He doesn't remember how to fly. He doesn't remember Neverland. Um, he, he doesn't remember Tinkerbell or the Lost Boys or any of those things, that he's just an attorney and he is too busy even for his own kids, let alone to remember all of the amazing, all of the wonder of Neverland. And the movie progresses that Peter Pan eventually becomes aware. He eventually becomes reminded of who he really is and, and, and what his life used to be about. And that's sort of the turning point in the movie. And that's what happens to us sometimes. You see, I think that we get this, this malaise called grown-up amnesia. That we forget that this stories, the story of the Christ child is true. Life gets really busy and complicated and maybe it's really disappointing. Maybe it's painful in some ways. Um, maybe it's just so hard uh, for us that we begin to forget that these stories are true, that God always keeps his promise that, that Jesus came and was born in a manger, that an angel appeared to shepherds and proclaimed the good news that the Christ was born but somehow in our adult life and somehow in our busyness and all the complications, we begin to forget. We get this grown-up amnesia and we forget that this story is true. And this morning is a great opportunity. We celebrate this and part of our goal as we celebrate Christmas is to recapture the wonder, recapture the power of the fact that God really did this, that God sent his son, that he loved us so much that he sent his only son, that Christ was born in a manger. He could have done it a whole bunch of other ways, but he was born in a manger so that we would all know that we have access to him. He's not so big, so powerful. He's not so distant and great that we can't find him, that we can't come to him. You see, we come like shepherds. We, we come like the poorest of the poor, like the lowest of the cast, but we all can come to the Christ. We all can come to the Savior. He's given us that and so we come to church on Advent to celebrate, to worship, but to also pause and be reminded that this was a miracle. This is the miracle of Christ's birth. From Mary to the angels to the shepherd to the wise men, all of the connections from the Old Testament prophecies and on are there to remind us that God's persistence and his love for us is real. And he's given us that opportunity. He's given us that privilege that he has come to us, that we might know him, that we might have access to him. Well, let's look at Luke, uh, a few more verses. Luke 2.15 begins this way. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. See, they already knew it wasn't the angel's message. It was a message from the Lord that the Lord has made known to us and they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all of these things, 
pondering them in her heart. And in verse 20, it says, and the shepherds returned. Shepherds went back to their flock. They were still shepherds, by the way. They were still on the night watch. That part hadn't changed. What had changed was who, how they saw themselves. What had changed is what they had experienced. They went back to the same job. We go back to the same job. We go back to a lot of the same things in our life, but what, what has changed is who we are on the inside, what we've seen, what we've experienced. And it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Think about the shepherds for a second. They began the evening when the angel appeared and it says they were filled with fear, just faint on the spot, afraid, right? They were filled with fear and they have gone from fear now to glorifying God and praising him. They've exchanged that fear for a recognition of God's love for them, uh, for praising God, for glorifying God. They've traded in that fear for something that's far greater, that's far more important. And I don't know what you're afraid of this morning. I don't know what kind of fears you have in your life. But what the Christmas story tells us is that we can trade those, that we can exchange those, that we can give away those fears, and we can experience glorifying God. We can take on praising him, that that can be the thing that marks our life, that changes our life. Well, there are a couple other things about the shepherds. Uh, the first thing that we've talked about a little bit is that, that the shepherd's story reminds us that our identity in Christ is what matters the most. You, you see, we look at shepherds different now than, than they did in the first century because, because God met them because of what God did. That they're not defined anymore by their jobs, they're not defined by their poverty, they're not defined by the fact that they can't read or write, but they're defined by the fact that God spoke to them, that God met them on that mountain and they were the first people to welcome the Christ child. That's how we know the shepherds today. And if our identity is in Christ, we don't define ourselves by our past, we don't define ourselves by what we do or how much we know, but we are defined by the fact that we belong to him. That's why Jesus reminds us in John, 112 uh, that but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God so our identity now isn't our past and it isn't all the things that we've done or haven't done but our identity is that we are now called children of God that we've been adopted into his family that we belong to him that all the rights and the privileges of being a child of God belong to us and there's another part of our identity that we find in Ephesians 2.10. It says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That he, God, we are his workmanship, that he is molding us, that he's changing us, that he has something for us to do, that he's prepared work for us, that it's not just I came and I gave you new life, but he's saying I not only did I come, not only did I make you my child, but I have something for you to do. I have some place for you to go. And if we look at the story of the, the shepherds, the first thing that we learn is that they went from the manger that night and everywhere they went, they told people the story of Jesus. Everywhere they went, they were glorifying and praising God for what they had seen and what they had heard. That they, they were the first evangelists. They were the first ones to start spreading the message of who Christ is. And when we've experienced Christ in our lives, when we have seen his glory and experienced his peace, when we've met with the Christ, then all we can do is to give him thanks and glory and praise. 
And we don't just we don't, we don't just go and be obnoxious people, but what happens in us is expressed in how what God has done for us and the peace that we've experienced in our lives. The shepherds returned home to their regular lives, but they came home different. They were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen, and that's our job now. We're not called to be perfect, but when we experience Christ, when we meet Jesus, we really meet Jesus, all we can do is glorify and praise him. The shepherds were no longer afraid, but they were joyous. They were glorifying God. Their lives had changed. Their identity had changed. God changes our identity, and he wants to restore in us the wonder of who he is, the wonder of the story of the Christ, of what God did, how God keeps his promises. He wants us to remember this morning that God will continue to keep his promises in our lives. That's just who he is. That's how much he loves us. You know, the Advent candles this morning, we, we started our Advent season with candle of hope, and then we went to the candle of peace, and then joy, and this morning the candle of love. And I, as I was thinking about the Advent candles, I was reminded of this little deal, because I'm a dad and a grandpa, and um, I don't know if you, well, of course you have. If you have kids, if you've done this where you, when they're little, you know, you say, uh, you know, and I'm not going to throw any of my boys under the bus, but um, you say, hey, how, how big is your little boy, right? And, and what's the answer? So big, right? And then I always had a second one. How much does your dad love you? So much. That's how much he loves you, so much. And the story of Christmas is that God loved you so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how much you love us. Thank you that you demonstrated that love by coming and, and Lord, that you didn't come in a, a grand way, but you came in a simple way, in a humble way because you wanted to be accessible to all people, including us, and we give you thanks for that this morning, Lord. I, I pray that, that somehow you would you would open our hearts and our minds to remind us that this is a real story, that it really happened, that that's how much you love us, that, that you love us so much that the story in our lives isn't finished yet, that you're still, you're still working in us. We're still your workmanship. Lord, that you always keep your promises. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that we, if we need to exchange fear for glorifying you and praising you, that you would remind us of that uh, Lord, I, that you would remind us that you get the glory and we experience your peace because we're in you and that's a promise that you've given us and we can receive that promise this morning. Lord, we thank you mostly because how much you love us. And Lord, you've proved it consistently for thousands of years now, Lord, and you'll continue to prove it in our lives and we give you thanks and we give you praise for that this morning. We ask all of this, Lord, in Jesus' name our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.